Well, it's Friday, the 22nd of November, 2019, and I imagine you're well on your way to kicking off your Friday happy hour, or perhaps enjoying brunch on your Saturday morning, depending on where you are in the world. We've got a fantastic conversation today, as promised, with Stuart Norris. He's the Director of Design for the Advanced Mobility and Experience Studio at GM. But before getting started, as always, please don't forget to follow me on all social media, at Autonomous Hogue. And if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can be a super fan by going ahead and leaving me five stars and a written review. Speaking of which, two listeners have left some additional reviews, the first of whom, who goes by the name of Abhaik, writes, One of the best for autonomous cars. I really enjoyed and learned a lot from this series. As a newcomer and enthusiast for AVs, this is one of the best platforms to get started with AVs. So thank you very much for that. And a long-time listener by the name of Les Teague writes, Outstanding. This series of podcasts would make an excellent book for training engineers for a career in the autonomous vehicle field. Um, I don't know about that, but thank you very much indeed for the, for the high praise. <laughs> um, look, it's really great to see the extent to which this podcast has blossomed out of a little passion project on the side nearly two years ago into something which apparently is so well received, enjoyed, and indeed proving to be so useful to so many people around the world. So really, thank you very much for that. All right, then, why don't we get started? 40 minutes with Stuart Norris, Director of Design for the Advanced Mobility and Experience Studio at GM begins now. Before we kick things off, uh, I've got some pretty huge news to share with you today, something I've been hinting for the last several episodes, and indeed, as far back as the season finale last year. So joining me today to break the news to you are two colleagues of mine, and I should say two founding partners, really, for reasons that'll be quite clear in a moment. So we've got Felix Dohmeyer and Martin Adler on the phone from Paris and Amsterdam, respectively. If Martin's name sounds at all familiar, that's because you'll remember that he was actually a guest on two prior podcast episodes. Um, so Martin, if you remember, holds a PhD in urban and transport economics, and Felix holds a PhD in industrial engineering. And today we're thrilled to share with you for the first time ever that we've decided to join forces and we're officially launching Hogue & Co., a global autonomous vehicles, urban mobility strategy consulting firm. So between the two of them, they bring an extraordinarily vast background of experience and expertise from their respective academic angles in the autonomous vehicles and mobility space with extensive connections to OEMs, tier one suppliers, government agencies around the world, including Europe and China. But without further more to say, on my end, I'd like to hand it over to Felix and Martin. Gentlemen, so good of you to be here with me today to share this news to the world. So hello, everyone. I'm, I'm Felix, partner from Paris. I'm more than glad to be part of this great endeavor with you both together, Martin and Mark. Hi, guys. It's Martin. It's a huge pleasure to, to join those both and our many associates to bring the best of AV to the world and uh, solve traffic problems wherever they occur. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me for this huge announcement. I can't tell you what a privilege and an honor it is to be doing this with both of you. If you'd like to learn more, head on over to our new website at hogandco.com. That's H-O-A-G-A-N-D-C-O.com. And of course, you can follow us on all social media at Hogan Co. 
Thanks so much. Let's get started with our conversation with Stuart Norris. Three, two, one. Well, Stuart, it's good of you to join us. Thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. It's great to uh, spend some time with you. Yeah, I have to say, um, I'm genuinely thrilled. I mean, I know this isn't directly on point with AVs, but I only just learned that you were kind of the lead behind the beloved Chevy Bolt, one of my all-time favorite cars of recent years. So that's very cool. But um, before derailing the conversation in that direction, <laughs> would love to get a bit of your background because I could talk about the Bolt forever. Um, but you've got a pretty awesome background indeed. So uh, I'd love to just kind of hand it off to you and see how you've ended up here, uh, what you're doing in the world of AVs at GM. Sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, I've... Uh... As you can tell, you know, originally uh, hail from the from the UK. Um, spent some time when I came out of college, worked for uh, for Jaguar. Um, spent seven years at at, uh, at Jag in the UK. Uh, moved to GM in two thousand and four, so just coming up to nearly sixteen years with the company. Um, done a whole bunch of interesting things when I was originally based here in Warren. Uh, interior. Um, mainly interior design in my early times at, at, uh, at GM. Then I went in and uh, set up our, our user experience uh, studio um, in sort of 2007, 2008, which was kind of, you know, a, a, a fairly pioneering activity at that time. It wasn't, it wasn't quite what it is today. User experience has become, you know, a very integral part of uh, design and, and, and vehicle product development Um you know, kind of vocabulary in the last five years or so. Um, but yeah, 07, 08, we set up a, a user experience studio here in in the design studio at, at GM. Just just recognizing the idea that technology, connectivity, um, you know, displays and controls were really the next big sort of uh, frontier for um, automotive interior design. Um, and so... Um, spent five, six years building a team up in, in that space. Um, uh, and then in 2012, I had the great opportunity to go and uh, run the studio out in uh, GM Korea. Um, so, you know, Korea's, you know, part of our overall global product development footprint, um, full service, you know, full engineering, powertrain, uh, design, um, obviously manufacturing as well. Uh, and so I, I had a, I went out there originally for three years, um, worked on, as you mentioned, uh, we did the ground up work on the Bolt EV, um, which was just an amazing, um, kind of a, a really logical, as I look back on it now in hindsight, a very logical progression from my work and user experience as we extend the technology brief into, into, into powertrain, you know, um, electrification, I think the user experience was a huge part of um, the kind of emotional connection to the Bolt EV. Um, so I spent my team there, did the interior and exterior, the the GUI sort of user user interface design for the interior of the vehicle, um, and then I was asked then to extend for another three years, and I stayed there until um, last um, August. So I had six years living in Korea, which was an amazing experience for both myself and my family, we did a, a bunch of work in electrification, um, uh, in the electrification space there. And then since I've come back uh, to the US, um, I'm running now the um, the Advanced Mobility and Experience Studio here in Warren, 
And it's kind of the hub around all the work we do around preliminary ideation, around electrification, um, autonomous, uh, autonomous business, um, and and really the, the you know the title, my sort of job title, I think reflects our approach to that work, in the sense that it's a it's both um, advanced mobility, but it's also the experience, it's the user experience, which is such a an integral part of that future mobility solution for us in GM. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an amazing sort of just a, almost a year and a half back in the U S working around really, I think what is the, um, uh, really at the arrowhead of, of our technology, um, and, and really the future of mobility, um, in, in, in the industry. So it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a, a very varied and, and interesting career. Yeah, no, this sounds great. And the timing is really quite perfect. Um, there's so many <laughs> angles I want to go on this, but obviously the focus being design is a great one because frankly, all the discussions tend to focus really on strictly the engineering side of things without, I think, really properly spending enough time on the design element because at the end of the day, you've got this big, almost existential question. What is the what is a car if you're not even driving it, right? Not to mention you delete this very real emotional uh, bond. You effectively sever that bond, whatever there may be, once you remove a human as a driver and rather just sort of, at, they end up just being a passenger, right? Um, real quick though, before we dive into this design discussion, um, it's, it's yeah, interesting timing, uh, hearing that you've spent such a large amount of time in Korea. Uh, I actually just mentioned in a previous episode, uh, Korea's big announcement that they expect to roll out commercial deployment of AVs by 2027. They're taking all these amazing steps in that direction. Of course, Hyundai's recent announcement, partnering up with Aptiv. Um, I always kind of like to lump together conversations of AVs and EVs together. They kind of go together, obviously. Um, did that Does that announcement sort of surprise you or do you see that as the logical, obvious next step? I think, I mean, just my, my own personal experience with Korea is that they are... Uh, um they're kind of the epitomization of uh, or the epitome of um of one-upmanship um so <laughs> so they have and, and, it's, and it's great it's part of the spirit of the country which took them from you know the you know the the war ravaged country in 1953 to where they are today um and so they have incredibly big ideas um and there is a there's a big component of the government there being involved with trying to drive uh, technology strategy. Obviously, they have a great background with uh, Samsung and LG and other tech companies in uh, as as a kind of backbone of their of their uh, economy. Um, so there's natural synergies there, I think, between those big tech conglomerates and the vision that the the, the local government has there for um, really significant, um, you know, sort of uh, cultural and economic change through technology. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that, uh, that Korea has very lofty ideas for what they're going to do with, uh, with autonomous. Right. Totally. No, it's, it's very, very cool. Um, so, so, okay. So diving in, beginning our deep dive into all things design. Um, I just want to use the, the bolt as kind of a launch pad here. I mean, so when you started work on the bolt, was it sort of clear or was it at least an idea that perhaps, um, GM's eventual work with cruise automation and that the bolt would be used for their, to be their vehicle for their AV, was this sort of at least an idea or did that just sort of come out of nowhere? I mean, and if so, to what degree did that kind of drive your design uh, sort of process with the Bolt? Well, I think, you know, a couple of things there. So firstly, um, 
I don't necessarily, I'm not sure we necessarily understood exactly the AV or the, the, the cruise relationship at that time. Um, certainly I would say that, uh, we'd always had a vision, um, because we, we were, we were playing in our own space in, in shared vehicles. And, um, and so the idea of this, uh, that potentially the Bolt EV could provide a platform into a shared, uh, shared vehicle space. I think you can see that in the efficiency we drove in interior packaging. When you look at the interior footprint relative to the overall exterior dimensions of the vehicle, um, it's kind of, if you pardon my British uh, Doctor Who references, but it's kind of a target. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of I mean, I was way. always just drawing references to the Enterprise shuttle pods, but that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, so it's always kind of, you know, surprisingly large on the inside compared with the footprint on the exterior. No, it is, absolutely. Um, and so I think we all, and, and we always, we always designed around um, optimizing ingress, egress. Um, you know, we were actually just discussing a little earlier about the idea of around the efficient uh, packaging and storage solutions that the vehicle has which we'd always had a, a mind for in regard to um, to shared mobility. But I think it's also this whole idea, I think, which captures the culture of where GM is today, which is our sort of agility to be able to, to pivot and adjust what we're doing and, and find synergies between what we're doing in one space and being able to apply that in another. And so I think, you know, the forward thinking um, attitudes we had as we framed up the Bolt EV in its early stages uh, made it a very logical extension into the cruise business. I think because of some of the shared values that we had around shared mobility and, and other things. So I, I think um, I think that reflects very well upon the general philosophy that we're taking through product development in, in GM uh, in, in the recent past. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to kind of run in whatever direction you'd like on the overarching concept of design, because again, it can go in so many different angles, right? But but to kick it off, um, yeah, I'd love to just sort of dive into this notion of the emotional element, right? Because again, if you, so, so a lot of the discussions, a lot of the articles tend to focus on kind of the relatively near term for AVs when humans are still very much at least a backup driver, if not more. Um, but again, it raises this really interesting question is what 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 does happen to the car when we are just passengers? I mean, does that mean that 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 a fully level five AV is going to effectively just be as funny as it sounds effectively a mini mobile home, really just a, an extension like a like a virtual room to your home or to your office? And if so, we're no longer designing a car based on its performance or on its design aesthetic for the purpose of driving, but literally just for living in this thing. So I'm going to just stop there and see where yeah. you want to run with that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that, that you've, you've, uh, your, your, uh, pre- your, your, your preamble there just, yeah, gives me a lot, a, a lot to work with. I think there's a few, there's a few components to that, that I'd like to, to talk to you about. So yeah, please. I, I think one of them would be, you know, I, I, I look at, uh, it's been a very, very interesting transition as I've worked in the in the AV space here. 
I would say that the realization that we are essentially working in a world of robotics, um, uh, you know, a, 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 a robot robots that that safely and effectively carry passengers around to their to for their lives um, is really where we're at. You know, this whole concept of it being like a self-driving car, um, I think, is is there's a couple of kind of uh, paradigms in there. One, one is you can look at it as a self-driving car. The other is you can look at it as a, as a robot and, and we're working in robotics. And if you think about the, the, the software industry, as they, as we were developing a more software based, uh, based product platform, um, the idea of user centered design and customer centric design became really important because when you got a bunch of software engineers coding, they're not always necessarily focused on customer needs and the customer outcome. And I think that's very similar for the robotics-based industry, which is really the basis for um, you know, self-driving cars and, and autonomous vehicles. And so I think the, 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 the broader concept of design, as we look at it um, in terms of design thinking, uh, user-centered design principles, the idea that we go out and have empathy with how customers use and and interact with a product and design a, an experience and a product and a service that fulfills those needs and not getting not letting the customer experience get get um lose focus from the focus of the mechanical and and robotic engineering side of things i think is is a really similar parallel to where you saw the software industry in the last sort of 30 to 40 years as the user-centered design principles were developed um, through software development and, and GUI interfaces and so on. And so I think we, we as a design organization need to grow and mature ourselves into a user-centered design um, uh, 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 discipline that can help create beautiful design experiences and beautiful user experiences for customers um, while we continue to develop this highly technical and highly scientific business around robotics. Um, so that, that's, that's one big part, I think, where design in a, in a broader and more mature sense can, can add value to um, AV. Um, I think the second part is that uh, the old school kind of uh, emotional connection that we we've always brought as a as a as a vehicle design organization it won't lose i don't think the emotional connection to the product and the service goes away because it doesn't have a driver there um the 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 relationship with the visuals and the tactility and the and the and the um the the emotional connection to the to the vehicle I think remains an incredibly strong um, part of of what we do, and and I think, you know, you just look at this in terms of all of the great brands and and services that are being, um, are now the kind of leaders in 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 commerce and so on. Whether it be a, a, an Amazon or an Apple, um, you know, the, these continue to be fundamental. You know, more and more software based interfaces, more and more, less and less of a. Uh, I mean, there's there's a physical product, but there's the, it, that that's the platform to deliver a, a complete user experience. And design is an in- integral part of creating that emotional connection to those to those products and services. And I think that will continue to be the case with AV as well. And I I think as a as an OEM GM combined with the technology that Cruise brings, 
we have a formidable um, combination of understanding customer needs, understanding the customer experience, and matching that with um, with future and uh, future and uh, technologies to be able to create um, a really compelling product platform. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. I agree with a lot of what you said, but I, but I have to just kind of push a point. I'm wondering though. Um, I mean, again, if you kind of carry the the evolution of AVs to their logical conclusion, which is legitimately no driver, you're just a passenger. And presumably, as we all know, the autonomous future presupposes or at least requires both an electrified and a shared future where we kind of move away from private ownership. Um, I mean, effectively, then this means that we will sort of be treating these things as rather anonymous, well, pods, just boxes on wheels from A to B, right? And so I almost wonder whether somewhat paradoxically, it's desirable or perhaps even necessary that we do in fact find a way to sever that human bond so that we are okay socially, culturally, personally, you know, breaking that emotional bond so that we do move away from private ownership and encourage sharing, right? Because at the end of the day, we, especially in a world of AVs, we need that shared, that shared economy, right? So I wonder if they're mutually exclusive things, right? I mean, can you have can you sever that emotional bond while still producing and having a compelling reason for this really profoundly beautiful design aesthetic? I would argue there is. I'm just wondering how that works. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, yeah, that's well, that's I mean, there's a couple of ways we can talk about that. Firstly, I would say, you know, um, it's going to be a competitive market. We won't be the only one in the market. And so where where do we I mean, the customer is always going to be the winner in a competitive market. And we're always going to be looking for our competitive advantage, competitive advantage in the market. So I think that as we continue to be competitive, we we certainly identify that an emotional and design connection to the product and to the the general user experience of the of our product is going to be a is going to be a, a competitive advantage that we'll have in the market. Um, so I think. The idea that um, somehow or another, because a product and a service is is based on a shared usage model, that suddenly there's no emotional connection to the product anymore. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'd necessarily put those two um, concepts together. Um, I would also say that you, you, I think you you hinted on something a little bit earlier on in in some of your comments, which was, you know, you. Um, the paradigm of what an interior is, for example, shifts completely. Um, you know, when you when you're not driving anymore, what does your interior space become? As a designer, you're suddenly, um, you know, you're suddenly almost designing. You're almost in in um, interior architecture or, or planned architecture or, or public public architecture. Uh, and again, I'd say, you know, going back to the idea that. Um, some of the greatest architecture and, and interior design is is created in you know a shared library or a, you know the, the buildings that have shared usage still want to create 
um, a magical uh, user experience. Uh, and, the, and that's at the key to what an architect is doing when they're designing a shared space. The idea that we're going to kind of create this um, um, this kind of 1984 type, you know, kind of bland, uh, poured concrete, you know, monolithic structure that I, I think that's a fairly old fashioned um, image of where we see a shared space in the future. We want to create warmth. We want to create comfort. We want to create um, a, a sense of safety for sure. You know, you feel like you're 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 protecting your your um, your user when they're in the vehicle. I think these are all emotional connections. Is it going to be an emotional connection? Like, wow, look at look at the look at the you know the the three twenty five section tire on that <laughs> rear, or look at the tailpipe ha- hanging out the back of that, or you know the pop on the engine as as it comes into a. I mean, all of those old fashioned emotional connections to a car are not going to be relevant, but the emotional connection on so many other levels is going to be so important. And I think that kind of goes back to my whole idea that this is. This is going to challenge, and, and we talk internally in our studio all the time about how, honestly, we're looking for a new dis- we're looking for a new skill set in our designers as they come into the studio. Are we looking at product designers? Are we looking at software developers? Are we looking at designers that are uh, that are used to designing um, furniture and 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 uh, and common spaces from an architectural point of view? And so I think this whole idea that. Uh, and and you you rightly uh, mentioned this this connection between AV and EV. So EV creates this amazing architectural platform for us to work from, right? No, you know, no transmissions, no exhaust pipe runs, no big engines out the front. I don't need a fuel tank. I've got very f- flat battery packs that create incredibly efficient underbody structures. And suddenly my my platform and, and the thing I design upon, very much like we did with the Bolt EV, as you were talking about earlier, suddenly I've got freedom and flexibility to reconfigure interior spaces and volumes um, to be user optimized and, and to be designed around this new shared vehicle user experience. Um, and, and so that opens up a whole new spectrum of what design is and how important that design can be in a shared autonomous vehicle. It doesn't mean it means that we're changing our attitudes. We're changing the paradigm in what we think successful design is, but it's still incredibly important, I think, for that emotional connection to the service and the product. Yeah, no, that's very well said. I would agree. Um, and this kind of then ties into a, a talk that our firm gave a couple of weeks ago in, in Munich. And one of the resounding themes was this notion of acceptance, um, which we're kind of dancing around here, I think, right now today, this notion of public acceptance, really and understanding what it is. Because one of the questions I've always asked is, it seems to me, I mean, yes, I always call autonomous vehicles the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. Everyone's heard me say this forever. And I still strongly believe that, at least from a product, a consumer product. Um, uh, but but it kind of raises the question, why does there seem to be so much particular pushback against AVs, or at least a lack of immediate acceptance? Um, to use two kind of, I guess, analogies here. I mean, when the first touchscreen phones came out, nobody sort of freaked out and said, oh my goodness, I don't want a touchscreen. Don't take away my keyboard, except of course, those who had uh, uh, Blackberries, I suppose. Um, with aviation, um, you know, most people don't even realize that unless they're frequent flyers or aviation fanatics, uh, that planes largely fly themselves. Alternatively, if you do share this knowledge with somebody, they don't typically freak out and stop flying. There does seem to be much more of a pushback, even though weirdly, 
AVs promise such incredible luxury, convenience, freedom, additional time in one's day, effectively. So what do you think is the issue with acceptance? Why is there such a big thing? And to what degree do you think will really kind of optimize design help bridge that gap? Yeah, that's that's really an interesting line. Of, I guess that's kind of a loaded question. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, no, no, I, yeah. I think that's a really fascinating. So I, I'm, I've, I haven't quite gone as far as the industrial revolution thing, but I certainly think that, um, that, and and I think maybe this gets maybe a little bit more to the question that you're asking, which is where where, where why there's a reticence or a lack of acceptance of AV. Right. So I think that I, I personally have said before that I believe that shared autonomous will be the biggest change since, or maybe a bigger change, should I say, a bigger change than um, getting rid of the horse on the front of a and, and making it a horseless carriage. And so, but, sorry, just to be super clear though, you specifically are saying shared autonomous, not simply autonomous. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, I think it's an important distinction, right? I mean... Well, I was going to grow that into the whole kind of idea that I think. Um, okay, so I, your what, so your question was purely around autonomous. So I'm trying to understand what it takes to kind of overcome this acceptance issue in society, right? So, so what what is you know is it more of like a municipality push? Is it more of like a marketing push? What what is it that gets society to kind of embrace autonomous generally, whether it's shared or not, or whether maybe it requires shared or requires the absence of being shared? Like, what, what do you think it takes and to what degree does design play a role in that? Yeah, I guess I, I would say certainly from 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 what I understand, I, I don't know whether there's necessarily a, a lack of acceptance of autonomous generally other than the fact that, um, you know, it's certainly in a personal automotive, in a personal vehicle, um, autonomous is certainly perceived and, and rightly so as being an, an expensive tech suite that people would love to have, but maybe see as a you know, cost as being a prohib, you know, a barrier to ownership. Uh, I'm not sure whether I necessarily recognize, uh, I mean, there's the typical kind of um, attitudes as to whether, you know, this will or will not ever take off. I was really interested to see Wozniak's recent comments that he believed that, you know, level five would now never happen. And, and uh, a couple of things like that. I mean, I think there's, you know, there are naysayers around the technology but I don't know whether there's a consumer, um, a lack of consumer acceptance of, of autonomous vehicles other than, you know, the, the general lack of abil- availability and, and the price that comes with it. Um, I don't, do you agree with me on... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, it seems to depend what surveys you check out, whom you ask, um, when, uh, and the way, of course, the questions are phrased. It is kind of all over the place. I would argue that certainly, and it's it's obviously very society dependent, very culture dependent. Uh, I think, for example, here in the Bay Area, for instance, in SF Bay Area, you're going to see more willingness from more of the population to embrace AVs potentially, just the way you do with EVs. I would argue that in other parts of the world, and indeed other parts of the US, you'd have much greater resistance. Um, I think it is really, really culture dependent. Um, 
Yeah, and I, and I I just think that we, you know, as we've as uh, so, I think there's a combination of, you know, the 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 epitome of of um, freedom, um, you know, the flexibility to be able to travel and drive, be able to go wherever you want, like kind of like you know, boundless opportunities to travel. The car kind of epitomizes that, right? I mean, even if you got a clapped out five hundred dollar car. As long as you've got money to put in, uh, gas in the tank, you can drive basically as far and uh, uh, as far as you want. And uh, and I think there's an incredible emotional connection to the freedom and uh, that 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 we have developed and been able to enable uh, through the more traditional application of, of vehicles. And so, I think anybody that, that that so there's a combination of that plus the idea around you know the the fear of new technology. That says, you know, this is this is upending my world. This is changing the the my assumptions in in what I've, you know, we've now over the last hundred years has become part of um, of, uh, of, of 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 society and of culture. Um, you know, we were just recently looking at data that says that I think eighty, I think it's eighty seven percent or something. I mean, there's like an incredibly high percentage of people own a vehicle in the U.S. Yeah and, yeah, and so it's their ticket to freedom and and so on. So anything that is perceived to be the, a disruption to that, I think, is is uh, is identified with a level of of fear and suspicion. Um, so then the trick is to just ensure that the freedom is not taken away, but rather that it's maximized, it's enhanced, it is it is it is increased, <laughs> not reduced. Right, uh, and, which of course is the ultimate promise. Yeah, and and then going back to your point about well, how can design, you know, as a design organization. We just get super, super excited about the opportunities that AV provides, that yeah. potentially AV can provide to our customers. Um, you know, we we often under you know we, we we talk often and understand you know from our own research that you know people that see AV um, as as being able to you know if you can go f- if you can drive for five hours with with AV. Firstly, the opportunities that we're able to produce in terms of interior configurations, um, new and exciting ways of getting in and out of the vehicle um, because the interior volume and the space of the interior changes dramatically. Um, But if we put all that package together with a beautifully designed car that emotionally connects to a customer, so going back to... Um, going back to the idea of a private AV, right? Um, if you've got a personal um, autonomous vehicle, there's still going to be that that gesture, that 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 um, external communication of your your um, beliefs, your um, your value system. That's what people every time they buy their car and drive their vehicle, they're 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 externalizing their value system in what they drive. And so that's true. But I also loved your analogy to shared spaces like libraries. And even in the event that these are largely shared vehicles, you're right. Shared places have some of the most beautiful architecture and design in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a really good point. And also shared vehicles. When you look at things, you, you, you think about um, how, you know, are some, you know, what, what do you think about New York? Yellow taxi. What do you think about London? Red bus, yeah. black taxi. Yeah. Well, how does how does a shared autonomous vehicle completely change uh, an urban environment? How does it become an icon within an urban environment? It, it, we have the opportunity to take something that creates um, an iconic environment in, in inside a, a built 
in, inside, inside of a dense urban um, environment. And so I think on so many levels, whether it be a personal AV in terms of being able to offer completely new opportunities for customers that they've never known. I mean, how many times can you reinvent the SUV uh, and the, and the sedan, right? I <laughs> hopefully, mean, hopefully no more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you, you, I mean, they're wonderful things. We love them. I, I, I love. I have an SUV. I, I oh, love. As do we. As do we. Things, but the idea that suddenly I, I don't always have to drive my vehicle and I can reconfigure right. my interior volume. Um, does that suddenly mean I'm driving a? a does it make a, Does it suddenly mean a minivan's cool again? Because the minivan communicates that I've got this massive interior space, and uh, and it indicates uh, a, a technology suite inside the vehicle. Well, suddenly, instead of um, you know I've given up on life, which is my interpretation <laughs> of minivan. <laughs> um, there is that. <laughs> uh, I, it's like, look, this is an external communication of the incredible technology suite I have inside my vehicle, and and what an amazing opportunity that is to to bring customers new experiences and new uh, a new value sy- system with regard to their own individual mobility. Um, that's why I, said, I mean, I, I'm I feel incredibly lucky. I, I've spent tw- nearly 25 years working in the industry. Uh, and I, you know, um, I'm at a point in my career where I'm able to work on these projects and, and I feel like it is, it's, it's the most, uh, radical time in product development in, in my oh, absolutely. career. Absolutely. Uh, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, you, you know, I just, I don't know where the time is going on this talk with respect for your time. Do you have an additional five ish minutes? Yep. That's fine. Yeah. I would love to kind of dive into if, if you've, as cliche as it sounds, kind of what you would describe as sort of the top, I guess the top three biggest challenges that come to mind, if that's even a valid question. Um, I just think that'd be really neat insight into what's going on. Or and how about even something more particular, say the absence of steering wheels, because I've often said in the past that ironically, I, I firmly believe that the, that, that, that it's going to be more difficult for if, even just AVs for ride sharing. It's going to be more difficult for passengers to accept a vehicle that still has a steering wheel, but no backup driver, I think that'll be more difficult to accept, for instance, than a vehicle that has no steering wheel at all, right? Because if you see a steering wheel, you assume there is a there is some time when a driver is needed. But if you don't see a steering wheel at all, well, then things are probably good to go. Um, yeah, and also, I also think that, that um, it's a little bit like you talked about when you were talking about um, aircraft as well, when when you're sitting in the fuselage of a plane and you're looking at the back of the seat in front of you, um, you know, the kind of the backroom shenanigans that go on to drive uh, to flying an airplane are not, not something uh, visible to you. If you're sitting in a much smaller product, like a car type form factor and the wheels over there in front of you sort of spinning on its own, I think it's much more of an indicator of the mechanics of what's going on underneath the vehicle. If, if you, if you create this beautiful cocooned futuristic vision of an interior space and all of the, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, the, the business that goes on to actually drive the vehicle and steer it is all hidden and out of view, then suddenly you've created a completely different user experience. I think that's a critical part of, of, um, of creating, um, you know, a, an, an autonomous future that, that, that you really embrace the technology um, 
clearly there are huge legislative uh, barriers in the way of us being able to get to that. And we're still, you know, we continue to work through that. Um, but I, yeah, I think the, 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 the ultimate state is that, that, you know, the user experience is 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 enriched by the fact that the the mechanical controls of the vehicle are not something that the customer interfaces with and and again that's a, a massive change right i mean you know it's it's a, it, we we're just now beginning to see manual transmissions you know not not in the us market um you know, a lot I just of- read that EVs for the first time ever outsold manual transmission cars, which is a funny metric, wow, but it's an impressive one. That's really an interesting. You've really been cutting <laughs> I mean, the data interestingly there. Yeah. Overlay the manual transmission versus EV market. Uh, well, yeah, and speaking of which, and then of course, your friendly competitors down the road decided to roll out a manual transmission equipped electric Ford Mustang. Who knows why? Um, but yeah, it's a funny time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, but that's the whole. I mean, that's part of it, right? Is that this kind of um, this migration towards um, like a, a smoother and simpler user experience, um, and the, the 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 experience is much more about. Um, I mean, see, even the even the idea around electrification itself. Um, you know, in the future there won't be. Um, you know, smooth engine smoothness, transmission refinement, those are all going to become, they're not going to be differentiators in the market anymore. Um, You know, every, every product that has a EV powertrain or an underbody is, is, is going to be as smooth as the most expensive car in the market. And so how do you, how do you differentiate? How do you create a luxury experience? How do you it, uh, create a, a youthful, fresh, friendly experience. I mean, there, there are so many. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I just, I just had to interject. This is remarkable to hear you say this. My wife literally asked me the exact same thing a few months ago, and she exactly said that. She said, hold on, but an electric car is mechanically they're all kind of the same thing, really. Fundamentally, they're much simpler. You don't have these other components, transmissions, engine types, et cetera. Indeed, how are people, you know, how are different com- companies going to differentiate them, make them more special? That's, and frankly, this conversation with you right now is the only time anyone's ever also mentioned that. And I think it's a really important point, which more than anything drives home the need for precisely the sort of thing that you're doing, which is at the end of the day, it is going to be solely about design, I would suggest. Whereas up until now, it's been really, kind of all of the above the mechanics the performance and oh yeah the design too that's been my point all along (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) design's important in av and ev (laughs) this is very true yes indeed Ah, uh, geez. Well, Stuart, um, look, with respect for your time, uh, I, I should let you go. I could obviously talk about this with you for hours. And frankly, that said, I'd be more than happy to welcome you back for a future episode if you'd be so inclined at some point. Um, yeah, this great talking to you. Been I, really I, fantastic. Yeah, I really appreciate you have a, a great perspective and, and uh, um, you had you some very challenging uh, and interesting questions and show a great deal of depth of, of feel for this subject. So it's been very enjoyable talking to you. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate that. And uh, all the best with your work, and I hope to keep in touch. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today, and indeed this week. Um, Just a heads up for next week. It is the Thanksgiving holiday here in the States, so I will be doing quite a bit of traveling. I'm hoping to get the next episode out the door 
next Tuesday as planned as usual, but no promises. And realistically, I'm pretty sure we won't have anything until Tuesday the 10th. Uh, that said, some of you have been uh, trying to schedule a guest booking with me. Keep emailing me. There's a chance we might be able to squeeze something in on Wednesday the 4th or Monday the 9th, in which case we'd be able to push your episode out on Tuesday the 10th. Um, so let's see what we can do with that. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, please do check out our new website over at hogandco.com. And of course, follow us on all social media at hogandco. Right. Well then, enjoy the weekend. Till next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.